0: Before we go into this episode, I just wanted to put on the record that my audio was horrendous. I'm taking accountability. I did everything I can to fix it. I have no idea what's going on here. This has never happened, but I'll be better. I'm a man of integrity. I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. It's electric. Joe Musgrove is a legend. And after the listening to this, you're going to be a part of the Joe Musgrove fan club. So let's tap in here. Welcome back to Officially Unofficial. I'm your host, Johnny Junta, and we're here with a very... Very special guest. He is the newest member of the San Diego Padre. He's a former Pittsburgh Pirate. He's a former first-round draft pick. It is my pleasure to welcome Joe Musgrove to the official and official podcast. What is up, brother? What's up, dude? You left out you left
1: out former Blue Jays first rounder.
0: Yeah, I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it because you know that song by uh Jake Owen where he's like the one that got away. That's who you are to me pretty much. Because the, you and I'll say this, you also blue balls me this year, or whoever did in the news saying that the Jays were gonna get you. I was fired up. I was like, Let's go, let's make this playoff push. Next thing
1: I know, you're still in the pirates. Like so you blue balls yeah, was, me twice. Uh, that deal was actually a lot closer than I even knew about, apparently. Um, I hadn't heard anything about trade rumors or anything about me going anywhere. Um, And then I got a call from our GM and he was like, hey, man, I know you've probably seen stuff in the media about a deal with the Blue Jays. And I'm like, Brian seen shit, yeah, like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) So that was the first I'd heard about it. But apparently they were, you know, really, really close to getting that deal done. So I'll do it. This I, I
0: I was fired up, and I, and also Brawl told a story about you where you guys were in the locker room just chilling. You and Brawl, and you get a call or a text. It's it's he it's uh Ken Rosenthal or I don't know who it is, and he says, "Yo, Joe, uh, this is Ken Rosenthal. Like, do you know anything about this Toronto Blue Jay situation? Did that happen?"
1: Yeah, dude, definitely. Um... That was kind of a shock to me. Again, that was another thing where I was like, I don't know what people are hearing that I'm not, but I haven't gotten a single word about anything. And that was something that we were all kind of laughing about, though. So I thought it was cool enough to get a text from Ken Rosenthal. You, you should, did you R-bomb him, or did you answer? No, no, I, I answered him. I said, I got nothing for you, Ken. <laughs> love that. I love that. Just, just absolute big boy in
0: Ken Rosenthal. But, dude, it was crazy because... It's, it, it's weird that the Jays wanted you back after they just trade. Who, who did they trade you for again? I couldn't find it.
1: It was uh, Jay Hap. It was like a big 10 player trade, man. I mean, was okay. We're lopsided. There was, um, it was me, Asher Wojciechowski, David Rollins, um, Kevin Comer, like yeah. three or four first round picks. And then uh, Ben Francisco and Francisco Cordero went over for Jay Hap, uh, Brandon Lyons, and David Carpenter, I believe.
0: Well, if this pumps your tires enough, I, I mean, I put you in the category of like a Noah Sindergaard for guys that got away from here in Toronto, because like, like, like I said, if you think about that pitching if you stayed here in Toronto, and you, you came up with a couple of the guys, right? Who was a couple of guys that you played with on the Jays now?
1: That team with Toronto was ridiculous. That, that minor league organization when I was there, my year in Bluefield um, in 2011 was me, Justin Nicolino, who went over to Miami, Noah Sindergaard, Aaron Sanchez – so, oh uh, Tsuna, Kevin Pilar, Dalton Pompeii. I mean, it was just name after name after name. Um, tons of guys. I mean, that rotation was ridiculous. Oh all, dude! All of us ended up going different directions.
0: It, it, yeah, man. Because like the Jays always have had a pretty good farm system, as you can see right now with like the Bobishts and those guys. But when you were there, people don't realize like the big deal the Jays did to get like R. A. Dickey, Jose Reyes, and all those guys. You like you you were a first round pick there, and they just didn't really, I guess, give you a chance. What was your time kind of like in Toronto? What was the facilities like and all that?
1: It was brief, and I mean, your first time with an organization like when I was in high school, we didn't have like team buses we didn't like travel together as a team like we drove ourselves to our games we drove home our uniforms we didn't have any kind of clubhouse or locker room type feel yeah so everything i experienced with the blue jays was like felt like i was in the big leagues already i didn't have the college experience of taking road trips i'm drafted out of high school so everything i experienced and all like the horror stories you hear about the gcl and like the terrible travel like that stuff was so exciting to me man like my first time getting to travel with all my guys yeah I'm on my own. My parents aren't telling me what to do. Like, I just got some freedom and like, I'm like loving life. So I had a lot of good memories of my time there, but it was very brief, man. It was like a little bit over a year. I think right after, like a month after my one year mark,
0: uh, okay,
1: I was moved. So, and at the time I was in, i finished the year. I did GCL right out of the draft. I got drafted June 6th. I signed the next day at my high school in the library. Hell yeah. June 17th. I got graduated June 18th I left and went to Florida so I left immediately. I got out there and played a full season at GCL got called up to Bluefield at the end of the year and then the following year started in Bluefield and I was with Daniel Daniel Norris was another name there. yeah um, me and him were were going in like uh, what they call it, piggybacks for the first couple starts. And then by like our third start, I was getting traded out and I was like real close. What I felt was like on the brink of going up to Vancouver and I was so fired up for that because I heard Vancouver is a freaking awesome city. And yeah. super excited to play there, but never ended up getting a chance and ended up going over to Houston.
0: Dude, it is like the Va- Vancouver's also, in my opinion, it's like the nicest minor league, like facility or area in all of the minors because you gotta think yeah. about this, right? And I, we've heard stories, we've got Jay's guys on the show there is a ton of fans that show up to the in vancouver and you're just a big dog there like you don't pay for drinks you're you're like everyone thinks obviously everyone thinks of you as a pro pro guy so you're not paying for shit in vancouver so it's it was a bad bounce for you but the thing that i gotta ask you about is is where did you obviously now you're with you're with the padres where were you when you found out you were getting dealt
1: when i was getting dealt to san diego yeah Dude, I was on, like, this Jeopardy kick, so I was, like, locked up in my little one-bed or my little studio apartment in PB um, just on this Jeopardy roll of going through, like, all the old episodes, and I got a text from Trevor Williams in, like, our our uh, Pirate Starter group chat. Yeah. And the screenshot of, uh, of I think it was Jeff, either Passon or... I don't know how to say got passing, yeah. It was uh one of those guys that had tweeted something out saying Musk broke san diego in a in a big trade and trevor posted he's like no way like he was all pissed off that i was getting to come back with san diego and uh and i just kind of kind of ignored it i didn't think much of it as i'm reading it my agent calls me hey, are you seeing all this stuff about the uh about the padres and i said dude i've been watching tv i haven't even been on my phone really and uh as he's as i'm on the phone with him i get a call from sharrington the gym in, in pittsburgh and he goes look man like I know stuff got out. I don't know how it got out, but it did. And uh, I just want to be straightforward with you. Like we're working the deal with the Padres and I'm not sure um, things are gonna all line up, but it looks pretty promising. So th- even the rest of that night, he's like, I'll-, I'll give you a call back when things are finalized. I didn't hear from him for the rest of that day. It was probably about three or four when he called me. Didn't hear from him the rest of the day, but I'm seeing MLB networks posting all kinds of stuff that's on TV, yeah. every Twitter line. So I assumed it was real. The next morning I ended up hearing from the GM that it was official.
0: And I, I and obviously just me being a, like having a dumb brain and me just completely just thinking about this. So what what goes on with the group chat? Like, do you just like phantom leave
1: the group chat? or yeah. you gonna yeah. Still talking in the yeah, group that, chat? It's like that meme of that black dude just like the boys. <laughs> yeah, you've got to slowly pull yourself out. I don't know, man. Like, I love those guys in Pittsburgh, and it was it was a really cool experience for me because I'm back in this in the city playing with a bunch of guys from San Diego. Um, and a bunch of guys that are all young and hungry and have a lot of talent and just want to get better and progress. And you're in a city like Pittsburgh where the sports history is just is so deep there. And the culture for, for a winning sports team is so big that we all have the desire of playing in PNC Park in October with packed out crowd and a blackout and all these yeah. just like cool environment, you know, like the Russell Martin Cueto home run area like that kind yes. of thing. Um So it, it was, it was incredible there, man. But I, I just had such good friends there and playing with all my buddies from San Diego, even though I'm getting traded, it's hard to like stay out of out of contact with those guys. So we have our one little side chat with the starters, but it's about that time that I have to back out of the the team. <laughs> you have to, you have to, it's
0: just it's strictly business, but you live in San Diego and Bralta also lives there. Do you guys, do you guys
1: throw together or what's the deal with uh, my guy? Dude, I, I haven't seen Bralta a ton this off season. He's been working out with Trevor um up at trevor's place throwing pins yeah. all a different cat he you know he he's real to himself um yeah I have to say that he's not a hard worker at all because he is but he does he likes to work on his own he likes to have his own space he doesn't like the big group workouts and environments and um you know the, the raw raw atmosphere he just likes to be by himself and put his work in so um i don't see a ton of him in the off season we'll meet up and grab a beer once in a while or we'll work out together get a game of catching but um he spent a lot of his time with trevor up north
0: one guy that you're, you're, you're training with is a guy we had on a couple weeks ago, and this guy, like, he might have finessed his way into my wedding party. Like, I love this dude. Like, Jordan Lo- Jordan Luplo, <laughs> just an absolute legend. What, what, what's, it like, what's it like training with loops, man? He's a legend.
1: Yeah. Sorry, i not by the airport. It's kind of loud. Um, yeah, he's incredible, man. Uh, the personality from that guy is, is awesome. <laughs> I lived with him, and uh, he was my very first roommate when I got traded to the Pirates, Here. him and Adam Frazier um and immediately man the chemistry was there he's just his personality um the attitude that he brings like no matter what mood you're in he always like electrifies the room and brings everybody like brings the best out in everyone um but i live with him at 18 man so i got a lot closer than just the surface level conversations that you'd have like at the yard or whatnot um yeah. but that's one of my best friends man i love that dude
0: and he posted a video just obviously pumping your tires of you throwing a plyo ball through a wall what the what the fuck is that <laughs> shit
1: how, how does yeah. that happen Dude, my trainer, uh, John O'Green, down in San Diego at Symbiotic Training, little plug right there. Yeah, there's uh, a plug. Yeah, he uh, he he did an incredible job of building this plyo wall for us. You know, we were all talking about getting into the med, uh, the weighted ball program and stuff for conditioning. Yeah. He, the Position players were doing it, so he um, he built this wall for us, and we had problems with the mats right and left. And about two weeks in, I throw like my second weighted ball, just fires right through the wall, and it was the day that it was the day after I got traded. And uh, and Luke took that picture of it and posted like good good trade guys you got you yeah. just started throw away the ball through the wall yeah
0: dude, yeah dude it just like if you could do that I guarantee there's not many people on the planet that could do that so you're just buzzing I mean what's what what are you like how's your bullpens been going have you
1: been just throwing chat or what dude yeah I I've, I've been th- I'm probably like six bullpens in right now um, and my progressions in my bullpens are always um, are always slow I mean not always slow I guess but the last two years I've started to like ease my way into my bullpens Um, I used to come like a bat out of hell for like the first day of spring training ready to throw my hardest and be at my best Um, and now that I feel like I'm in a position where I have a spot in the rotation I can kind of gauge you know the intensity a little bit different and especially coming off a season where we played 60 games last year now we're expected to play 162 this year Um, I'm really trying to gauge the intensity and the amount of you know the amount of Tension, so I'm putting on my arm as in this build up phase. So, um, I, I'm at a pretty good spot right now. Like, I'm letting balls go, I'm spinning everything, but I wouldn't say I'm at full go yet.
0: And also, I, I gotta say this for the people that are watching this on YouTube you're pretty much, you showed up to this interview putting your balls on the table with the San Diego backdrop behind you. I'm in Toronto, it's snowing, it's like minus four outside. You're living the dream, just absolutely big league. And I love to see it. And obviously, you're a guy, you're from San Diego, it's close to home for you. How electric is that to be playing for that hometown team you grew up watching?
1: Dude, hell yeah. I mean, that's all, all your dreams, everything that you learn about baseball and the big league lifestyle and, and the game, the level of play, it's all come from me watching games at the same Zach stadium. Um, we had season tickets here for a couple years. Um, and not only as a baseball player, but as a San Diego Padre fan, like this team has never been better in the past 30 plus years, you know. So to be able to come to San Diego and play here is one thing, but to come at a time when the team's at the level it is, is, just, I mean, you couldn't ask for more, man. It's a perfect scenario.
0: And this team you're playing on is like an MLB road to the show team. It's the most stocked team I think I've ever seen in my life. I can't wait to see you guys go up against the Blue Jays in the World Series. It's going to be electric. Who's, like, the most excited guy you want to, like, you're playing with? Like, who's the guy you're looking forward to the most to be behind you or even with you pitching?
1: Dude, I mean, there's so many guys on this team, but I think the one that I most people would choose is Tatis, just – Yep. To see a kid that's as developed as he is and as as calm as he is with handling the pressure and the limelight at such a young age, man, like guys like that are just impressive to be around. And I feel like he's got a very similar um, mentality as Bregman did. I came up with Bregman through the minor yep. leagues and, you know, my best friend with Houston, we, we came up and debuted around the same time um, and just see the, the, the personality traits and the way that they play the game and the, and the confidence that they have. Um, those are special guys to be around dude and you can learn so much from the young guys that are you know five years younger than you just by watching them play and getting to be with them on a daily basis so that's probably why i'm most excited to be around
0: and here, here's a funny stat i'm not a stack guy but i wanted to bring this up to show people that i'm like i'm big time this is one of the best baseball podcasts in the world you have the the third lowest slider exit velocity against you
1: did you know that no, I know it's nasty, but I didn't know that. Yeah,
0: no. See, I, like I said, I'm just I'm just bringing out. Like I said, I like to pump your tires. I just wanted to throw that out there. But the next thing I wanted to throw out there is you're number 44 next year. What went into that thought process of you picking that number?
1: Yeah, dude. Uh, well, Paddock, Paddock's already 59. Um, yep. you know, I like that number. I've had that since I debuted. But uh, but I'm coming into a new team, man. I don't want to rock the boat. I'm I'm gonna let Paddock rock the 59. That's his number. He's confident in it. So. Um, you know, numbers are just numbers to me. I don't really care all that much, but 44 is uh, Jake Peavy's old number when he played in San Diego. The goat. Peavy was the goat. guy. Dude. like the intensity that he played with, his repertoire, everything about that guy, um, I was just in love with as a kid, man. So it's gonna be pretty cool to be playing in San Diego and, and wearing his number.
0: Dude, and when you got traded, you you uh, wrote a letter and you posted on your Instagram, and it is some of the neatest writing these four <laughs> eyes have ever seen in my life. How long did it take you to write that? Because I, if, if like my writing's terrible, it would have taken me like two to three hours.
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, I feel like the more I see my own writing, it doesn't look as neat. Like I, as I noticed the little blemishes and like the sloppy parts that I get, but um, that wasn't a letter that I like sat and took my time writing. That's just kind of how I write, man. My dad put, my dad was a detective. He was a homicide detective for 12 years, a cop for 20 years. So he did nonstop paperwork and a lot of those cops writing all caps um so that was just me just wanting to be like my dad growing up you know i started trying to write like him and he used to make me sit down every night after my homework and i'd have like an eight and a half by 11 line sheet of paper and for each row i had to do like circles that touched each other on each side and touched the bottom and, and bottom the top and bottom line so yeah. i was just do circles all the way then i did them the other way for the next one and it was figure eights and i just kind of like control the pen. I s something that seemed so stupid at the time but like you know it really just helped my penmanship and, and not that it's really all that important but uh but I take that a lot, for sure.
0: And the reason why I asked that was because I what I was going to do was, to hype this episode dropping tomorrow, I guess you could say today, I was going to get a piece of paper and write, Joe Musgrove, period, officially unofficial, period, and then the date. But I couldn't do it. I, your writing is way too good. So maybe we're going to get you to do that. I'm going to post it tomorrow. We'll figure it out. But, dude, this is something also why I needed you on the podcast. I saw this a long time ago. And you don't have to talk about this, but I wanted to bring this up. It's the Josh Donaldson beef. You throw inside to Josh Donaldson. I don't know if you remember this. And yeah. Josh like, you, you weren't intentionally throwing inside. He just, like, backs off. And he's looking at you. He's saying – and then he's staring at you. And he's saying, why the fuck are you staring at me when he was staring at you? What happened in that situation? Because I need to know.
1: That was just such a big pissing match. Like, it was, it was so ridiculous. <laughs> I think I think we were both just being super competitive and not wanting to give in to one another. Yeah. Uh, but I got no I actually saw Josh this past season when he was in Minnesota. And I said, what's up, Josh? kind of looked over and he was taking ground balls. He glared at me and Wade said, what's up, Joe? We <laughs> kind of just like, understood. It was just like, it was baseball, man. And like, I love guys that play like that. Like that's, that's the reason you play, to have those little interactions and someone to bring that out in you. So um, I had thrown against them five days earlier in yeah. Pittsburgh. And it was my first time taking the ball into the ninth inning. Um, I, died. I ended up giving up back-to-back homers in the ninth. That kind of spoiled my night. But We ended up winning, I think, five to two or five to three um I punched out Donaldson I've had good success against him in the past I think he's got like one backside double against me but my numbers yeah. against him so um we're five days later after that you know after, after that outing I take into the ninth we're in Atlanta now and I'm facing them again it's on the first game of the series I get the first two guys out and Donaldson comes up and he's you know he's doing his thing like he's, he's got a presence when he's in the box and I try to be the same way on the mound. And uh, so we're just we're just dialed in, locked in on each other, just staring each other down. And eventually we break contact, I get the ball, and I make my pitch up and in. And it was nothing more than just like a little bit of a purpose pitch to try to back him off the a bit. And uh, it got a piece of his jersey. And I think he just tried to, my mentality is that he was trying to show his team that like, we're not going to let that shit happen, that happened five days ago, happen again. Like, we're going to put our foot down. Like, not let me intimidate them or not, not let me control the game, so. He gives me the eye and flips his bat i don't like the way he's looking at me so i'm staring back at him waiting for him to say something um he gives me the what the fuck you looking at and i said don't fucking look at me like don't fucking just keep walking like we started doing that one of those yeah, things yeah, and then he, yeah. like my catcher um for some stupid ass reason i take my hat and glove off like i'm ready to go um just instinct just kind of getting fired up and uh we end up getting separated there was absolutely no like there was no threat there like we weren't gonna fight each other i think we were both just kind of mouthing off yeah. Uh, I get ejected for for showing signs of aggression by taking my hat and glove off. He gets <laughs> it was a fun, it was a joke. Hurdle comes out and he's raising hell because I get ejected. Yeah. um Yeah. It was a mess, dude. But that was all. That was all just competition. I think at the time I was a little more heated than I am now. But.
0: Dude, it was an electric video because Josh Donaldson, obviously, he won an MVP here in Toronto. He's kind of one of the big boys in Major League Baseball, and you got Joe Musgrove on the mound shedding his mitts, ripping his bucket off. And nobody <laughs> was coming out of nowhere calling out the MVP. Dude, it, it was an incredible video, and if people haven't seen it, just go, I put it on YouTube. It's an incredible video, and it wasn't even an intentional throw-in. Like, obviously, you're brushing – because Josh Donaldson, when he's, like, hitting, he's close to the plate all the time. So, yeah. you're just brushing that's him off, it, right? I mean, that's
1: how you got to throw those guys, and, like – I've always thought, like, if you, don't, if you don't like getting hit or you don't like the ball getting close to you, you, know, you can back off the plate. But I got, I got the ball. I can throw where I want to. So if you don't, you know, if you don't like it, back off.
0: Yeah. And, and then the next thing I want to talk about is the World Series, like I said, humble brag. On a scale of 1 to 10, how sober were you at the parade? 10 being not even close to sober, 1 being like, like a judge. Sober like a judge.
1: Dude, I think I had, like, probably four or five beers before we got on. And the, in the, in the parade started at 9 a.m. So I'm like four or five in and we get on the parade and we're standing on top of fire trucks. So you got like a two foot panel to stand on. Yeah. And things turning corners through downtown. And I must have had, dude, at least a dozen beers thrown to me from the crowd. Yeah. And everyone that it throws to me, I'm just catching them and crushing, catching them and crushing. People are throwing boxes of pizza up there. It was insane. And then as we're coming down the home stretch, there's like a 17, 20 story parking garage on the left side of us. And there's just people out, hanging out of every little section possible, and there's confetti falling, so you can't really see the people that watch like through like the rain of confetti. We got lights out here, um, nice. through the rain Very of confetti, and uh, a beer comes flying down and smashes off the side of the uh, fire truck. Beer goes flying everywhere. So we look up, we're like, oh shit! Like we got to keep our head up for like flying beers. Yeah. As they look up, another one comes flying off of that that like 15 story. And I see it coming through the confetti, dude. And I reach out and just stick this beer, Miller Lite, ice cold. And I just immediately, I was like, I gotta drink this. I just crack the beer; it's foaming everywhere. I slam it and throw it in the crowd. The place freaking erupts, dude. Is there a video of that? All the- oh, you gotta look it up. It's like a thirty-second video. Just look up Musgrove beer chug on on YouTube. It's that's
0: like, see that 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 video is cooler than any highlight tape of all time. Like dude, that's-,
1: that's, that's my claim to fame right there. That, that video is, <laughs> that video is incredible.
0: Now, I wanna talk about that World Series run, obviously, man. I mean, that team was stacked. You had Carlos Correa, you had brand new Toronto Blue Jay, George Springer. Ever heard of him? I, and by the way, he was your former team. I don't know how close you are with him. I pissed my pants when the Jays signed him. I said on Twitter that if the Jays signed him, I'd piss my pants. Did you see that?
1: Oh yeah, dude. He's gonna be he's gonna be a leader in that clubhouse immediately. Um, not only by the way he plays, but just the person he is, man. Like I've never seen somebody that's more like calm and collected and just able to be the same person every day, regardless of where he's at. I mean, his performance is, is usually pretty damn good. So you didn't have to worry about being in slumps, but um, that guy could be 0 for 20 or 15 for 20 and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. He, he just, he knows his personality, he knows his role in the club. He he pulls the best out of everybody every day by showing up and being the same person. It's He's one, he's one of my favorite teammates.
0: You're giving me chills, to be honest. And honestly, I don't, really, I don't think you understand. Like, I legitimately said on Twitter, if the Jays signed him, I would piss my pants on Instagram Live. The Jays <laughs> signed him, and I pissed myself on Instagram Live on my balcony, getting roasted by my mother, getting roasted by everyone. So I guarantee you that George Springer has never had someone do that for him.
1: True your word, man. I like that
0: i'm a man of integrity i'm a man of honor so if, when i say something that's what's going to happen and it's just it, it's crazy that george brings in the jays but i wanted to talk about that team though because that team was stacked. how not how unreal was that world series run that stadium by the way holy shit when that place is bumping it's bumping
1: yeah i mean the fact that you're in a dome and the seats are so close to the sit, to the field it just that the sound gets trapped in there it feels like you're in a crowd of 80,000. um but yeah that team's that team was was incredibly talented man like you look back in like 15, 20 years when when all these guys are retired and, and out of the game, you're gonna it's gonna be hard to imagine all those guys were on the same team at one time. Um, it was just, it was unbelievable, the different personality. We had a, such a perfect mix of like veterans that, that had it together that can kind of like wrangle everybody and get everyone going in the same direction. We had the young fiery guys that sometimes said the wrong thing or sometimes overreacted and did the wrong yeah. thing. It brought the best out in everybody, man, it was just an incredible group.
0: What a group! What a group! But the this is also a little humble brag for you, by the way. And I'm, I'm a big Theo Vaughn guy. He's he rocks your jerseys and podcasts. Little bit, maybe one of the coolest accomplishments
1: ever. What's
0: your relationship like with uh, the goat?
1: Dude, that guy, that guy is one of the most down to earth people I've ever met. And like all the all D and like his crazy personality on like on his podcast. That's just who he is, man. But he's he's just a hilarious guy. I met him. Uh, he had a show in Pittsburgh. And after the season ended, I stayed like two extra weeks to be able to see the show because it was like a week and a half after our season ended. So I stayed and watched the show. Um, I messaged him after the show. I was like, "Dude, you were getting bombarded as we were walking out. I wanted to say hello, but um, I figured I'd just message you and, and tell you how much we enjoyed the show." He was like, "Bro, that's all." Awesome. Like immediately replied to me. Like, he's like, oh, "That's awesome, man. Like I really appreciate it. if you guys want to grab dinner or something while you're here. Like let me know." And I was like, "Dude, I'm leaving town tomorrow." Um, he goes, "Well, I live in LA." in the off season, why don't you come up and we can you know, maybe do a podcast, we'll grab some dinner or something like super cool. They had a show a couple months later in La Jolla down in San Diego, it was sold out. So I like felt super uncomfortable doing it, but I reached out to him. I was like, dude, I hate to be the guy to ask you, but like, we'll pay whatever we gotta do. I just, I really wanna come see you in La Jolla, but it's sold out. He goes, I got you, dude. He left me a res- reserve table right up front with four seats for me and some friends. Holy I shit. Him, I brought him a signed Jersey that night. So we talked for a while after the show and hung out. And then after the trade, I got a call from him, like two two days after the trade. He's like, I just want to tell you, man, you've been on my mind. I've been thinking about you. I'm so happy for you. Like, genuine. Like, genuinely cared and was happy for me, man. It was just really cool and really surprising.
0: Dude, it's he's like, and a lot of people actually say that exact same thing you just said. Like, he's the exact same dude in person as he is on social media. Like, do you guys, do you guys exchange texts and all that stuff? You guys are like close now, yeah. or is it just like a.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't talk daily, but uh, I always, always shoot him messages. He'll reach out to me once in a while. Um, We're talking about me and Clevenger hopping on and doing like a a combined podcast with him before spring training starts here. So hopefully in the next week or so, he comes out to L.A. like every week and a half or every two weeks to do his podcast and see some things out here. So we're going to try and line that up. But yeah, he's just an awesome dude, man. Yeah. Do you do you wear, after that show in Pittsburgh, stay and talk to every single fan that was in line. Just waited out talked to every last person and didn't leave. He's just just a good dude. Do you
0: catch yourself, like, uh, doing that when you're signing autographs and stuff? Or do you think in baseball – because this is actually, like, a smart question. Credit to me. Do you think in baseball – there's more people that just want your autograph to sell it compared to Theo Vaughn's kind of aspect of like his industry, because and Brawl talks about this too. He says you have guys when you're signing autographs that don't really care about getting your autograph. They'll make you
1: sign like 20
0: things and they'll just sell that shit. Do you think like, what's it like?
1: You can spot those guys now, like you'd be around the game long enough to see like what those type of people even look like. They have a profile. Like you can, you can spot them in a heartbeat. Yeah. But it's hard, man, because, you know, you want to stay and sign for everybody and you don't want to leave anybody out. Like, you just kind of picture yourself being the kid that's waited 10 minutes as you're moving down the line and then he finally gets to you. And he yeah. walks away, you know, So you, you want to stay and sign, but you obviously can't sign for everybody. So at some point you got to cut it off. And that's where you kind of try to not just like mindlessly sign and walk down the line, but you look, you know, make eye contact with people and see the kids and like see the ones that really want your autograph and people that are just looking to to flip an autograph. So. I try my best, dude. I, I, I always go out of my way to sign and, and to stick around a few extra minutes and talk with kids, take pictures, whatever it is. I mean, it's such an easy part of the job that not only, like, makes someone else's day, but it makes you feel good, man. Like, it's yeah. cool for us to sign autographs. I still love that stuff.
0: Do you have any, like, funny stories of fans going, like, above and beyond or fans roasting you out visiting ballparks?
1: Dude, Wrigley is one of the worst places <laughs> possible. Yeah. And Yankee, Yankee Stadium, dude, in the playoffs, yeah. AL, the ALDS, or the ALCS in 17. Um, I was in the bullpen for that for that last half of the season, and we literally couldn't even sit out in the bullpen. We had to go in the under, like, the under, under the seats room that was, like, glassed in. Yeah, we walked out and sat in those bleachers. They were throwing beer cans at us. They were spitting on us. They were what? I mean, yeah, they, it was not. Gnar- it was a jungle, dude. It was it was the real deal. But it was so cool. To, it was so cool to experience that, man. Like at the time, you're like you're kind of heated and pissed off about it. But like looking back, man, I'm so glad I got to experience what Yankee Stadium's like when it's at its craziest. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they were sitting. Ken Giles was warming up in the bullpen and the Yankees bullpen where the mound is is really close to like the back netting where the fans are. So if you're throwing this way off the mound, the net's like right here. So there's not even enough room for the pitching coach to stand there. I'm watching guys fill their mouth up with a tall boy, spit it all all <laughs> over the back of Giles as he's trying to warm up. Um, it was it was wild, dude. But uh, with fans, man, we we're in Houston and I'm pulling out of the player garage, and fans are just like mobbing that area because they know everyone pulls out of there, all the players. Yeah. So I threw that night. Any night that I pitch, I always try to stop on my way out and sign an autograph or two, you know, just for whoever's there. Because yeah. if I'm going to a game and I watch Joe Musgrove start that night and I have a really good game and then I wait and autograph and all of a sudden the guy that started the game and had a really good game signed, like, that's just the coolest thing to me. So yeah, I stop and sign for some guys and this guy hands me a ball and a pen and I open this pen. I got a brand new Dodge Durango with red leather inside. like oh. car. second I open this pen, dude, ink just explodes all over my shirt my pants and all over my red leather seat between my legs and the spot is still on the seat to this day just a big old freaking ink blot i remember flying to like handing them stuff back and i can't sign i go straight to cvs bottle of alcohol and like uh, yeah little sponges and i'm scrubbing it and i'm reading online as i'm scrubbing like ways to get it out first thing it says don't put alcohol on colored leather because it burns the alcohol off so now i have like a pink spot where i burned out the red alcohol or the red leather and a big oil spire
0: damn and that fan probably i wonder that fan probably tells that story to his buddies like i pretty much fucked up joe <laughs> <laughs> <drove> busgrove's <on> <laughs> car
1: <laughs> dude it, it, dude and do you do you wear that world series ring? like is that world series ring just uh packed away somewhere or are you flaunting that shit no dude I, I wear it a handful i probably worn it a dozen times or so um i think when i first got it i was wearing it a lot more now i just kind of i'm throwing a suit on and going somewhere nice i'll throw it on um if i ever fly through houston i always try to wear it yeah it's, it's cool to like sit and like people it's obvious you can't miss the damn thing it's fucking huge yeah um but it's just a cool it's a cool conversation piece like people will see it and they'll obviously recognize me or remember me or at least know the ring and uh you just get to kind of hear their stories of where they were when we won it and what their experience was like and it's just always you hear really cool stories from other people so but other than that i usually leave it in the safe locked up
0: such a it's such a flex like if you wear that shit to dinner you're not paying like if you I, I i doubt if you wear that to dinner in houston you're paying for
1: that meal no way oh uh, no <laughs> yeah. and man
0: i mean that pirates team now and you're talking about that i mean i we've uh like i'm pretty close we've had jmo on Bralton, nick kingham on all these guys do you kind of ever just look back and just think damn what that could have been like because I, I i talked about it with jmo man he talked about the garrett cole thing and him learning from garrett cole did you ever get the opportunity to look back and be like, man, what a dog pitching rotation we had?
1: Dude, yeah. Um, it's tough. I mean, especially losing Arch. Like, when Arch came over, we were all looking so forward to getting to work with him and, yeah. and stuff, and he wasn't able to throw for much of the time that he was with us. But uh, if we had all those guys healthy, the Sammy I mean, Jamo's countless amounts of injuries that have just, like, out of his control that... That, uh, that have sidelined him but if you look at all those guys that we had if we had a healthy team out of that 18 or out of that 19 start to the year um, we could have been we could have been a really really good team but you know those are all what ifs man i mean that's what makes good teams good is having depth and and being able to keep your guys healthy so
0: yeah, I mean who's one of like the who would you say is the toughest lineup that you've ever had to play against? Because if you look at it, obviously last year that Braves lineup was fucked. Like that Braves lineup last year was nasty. There was a lot of good ones, but out of your whole career, who's one lineup where you had to prepare a shit ton to go into the game?
1: Um Dude, I I always thought Boston's Boston's lineup was solid. Uh, yeah. back when I was with Houston. Um with Pittsburgh the Cardinals fucking dominated me, man. And, like, they had some bangers. That was when they had Osuna and they had Goldschmidt. Oh, I mean, the, yeah. lineup, Young was, the Young was the hottest hitter in baseball at the time. Um, Carpenter was on a crazy stretch. Uh, that was one of the toughest teams that I had. And I guess you see those teams so much more often being in the same division. But uh, they had some bangers in that lineup, dude, and it was not fun facing them.
0: And I, I, I'd obviously be mad if I didn't bring this up because he actually ended up hooking this up, my guy Jordan Comadina. What, 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 what was your relationship like with him? Because he's a bullpen catcher. You guys are just firing it pregame. He's the, the only guy you're kind of talking to before the game. What was your relationship like with the GOAT? Like, one of the nicest guys I've ever had to deal with on this funky, podcast.
1: Funky, funky is the man, dude. I've, ne- I've never seen a bullpen catcher that's more dialed in than Funky. Um, I, I think he watches more video on catchers and more film than any of our actual catchers do. Um the guy, he's just so down every day. No one, no one will come to the field and be ready to work more than that guy. He's the first one out the field. He's in the gym nonstop. The guys always in the gym. Um, but he, he's he's just he's he's got a little bit of swagger to him. He's confident. Uh, he'll pump you up a little bit before your starts. But uh, he he was one of my favorite bullpen catchers I've ever had, man. Not only just because of his personality, but his ability to catch. Like he make you feel confident. And he you know he caught the ball well. He received really well. Drop into his knees, blocking in your goal pins. Like the guy just loved the game. He was waiting for his chance to uh, to jump on that 40 man. And fill spot. I
0: legitimately think I think he could I think he could compete, bro. Like I legitimately think if he if you put he could.
1: Absolutely, 100%. Have you seen him swing it? Like, does, is he taking BP with the boys or what? I, ne- I never saw him swing it, but like his catching was legitimately good. Like he would throw down a second for us when we were throwing live BPs out on like the game field or whatever. Like he he was a legitimate catcher.
0: Has one of the funniest. Like, uh I don't know if it's like a rivalry with those fucking guys that collect foul balls in Pittsburgh.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the rivalry. He yes. hates them. He <laughs> hates them. There's a certain. There's a, There's one guy that comes every game, dude, and he just robs kids of, of home run balls and of like of foul balls that go into the stands. But Funky will make it a point to walk around during BP and tell everybody, "Don't give one of that fucking guy in the red hat right there. Don't give him any. Don't give him any."
0: Hates the guy, dude. So he, that's why me and funky get along so well is because I have just an ongoing one person feud
1: with just foul ball guy. What's your relationship with foul ball guy? You obviously see him fucking everywhere, right? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't talk to him, dude. Uh, we <laughs> tour with him a lot, we tour with him a lot. <laughs> I'm, not I'm not a fan,
0: dude. I, I like I said, and I've told this story on the podcast before, but i was at a jays game at the rogers center and oh i don't know where i was actually i might have been in cleveland or detroit and he was there and this guy was the biggest d-bag like dude there would be balls going to like literally little kids and this guy would just treat it like it's world series game
1: seven diving for fucking balls the best at shagging oh are are we talking about um so there's two there's a guy in pittsburgh specifically that is just there every game but there is another guy um how oh, ball guy, like the bald guy. You know what I'm talking about? Zach Hampel? Yeah. Well, yeah. And he's got he's got a whole method to it, dude. Yes. A method. You... He, he goes he's he was telling me he used to study uh um what the hell is it like metrics of guys' home runs and what side of the field they hit him to most often. And he had a whole plan based out about how he would uh how he would position himself in the stands. He would always be in like an aisle way so that he could move up and down and side to side. He worked it out to a damn science, man. And then he would like go rob some little kid and then be like, "Oh, here you go." And I'm like, "The fucking yeah. fun part is catching the ball, not having <laughs> yeah. someone
0: hit. Yeah. Just let the kid catch it. Yeah, but dude, it's it, he he's one of those guys that I just have a feud with. I don't know, he just rubs me the wrong way. But dude, you you played in a city where it was just like there were so many good teams, man, cuz obviously I'm a hockey guy being from Canada, the Pittsburgh Penguins. You got the Pittsburgh Steelers. What was what would you say is like your favorite moment from Pittsburgh in another with another professional team?
1: Um Dude, so I got to go the, – the Penguins games are by far – like the tier, this, the Steelers tailgates are epic. I mean, those are some of the best tailgates I've ever been to. Yeah. Uh, but I think the Penguins games are the most fun for me. And I've never been to an NHL game in my entire life. And in San Diego, we didn't have a hockey team here. I never went to games or anything. So my very first game was opening night against um, Capitals.
0: Yeah, okay, Ovechkin.
1: Yeah, it was opening night. I think it was at the end of 18, maybe. End of 18 or end of 19. And me and J-Mo took, um, took our PT that works on us all year long. Like, it was our end-of-the-year gift. We took them to do a nice dinner and got uh, seats right on the glass for our first game. Yeah. And very first quarter, like as soon as the game starts, gloves come off. Guys are fucking going at it on the ice. Saw my first hockey fight. It goes into overtime. The Penguins win. And we went up, we went up to a suite because the Pirates had like a suite for the night up, yeah. up the the box section and we go up there and we get to hang out with all the Steelers players like Devin Bush is there, Doug Hodges, Cam Canada um, and Jason Momoa was in town filming a movie in Pittsburgh so we got to hang out and drink beers with Jason Momoa and all the Steelers dudes and we got a fight, got glass seats and we got an overtime win. It was the greatest experience. Do
0: you think that hockey's like because obviously I'm probably a little bit biased because I'm from Toronto but do you think that hockey is one of the most entertaining sports on the planet? It has to be.
1: Dude, for live sport, you won't find anything more entertaining. So, so fast-paced. Like, yeah, Dude. so fast-paced. So much energy. Like guys are just flying around nonstop. It's, it was a fucking blast.
0: Speaking about that, man, I mean, what would you kind of do? What or not kind of? Like, what would you do to kind to make the game of baseball more marketable, such as basketball, NFL, hockey, stuff like that?
1: Dude, I don't know, man. I mean, I think like the game is the game is going that way already. Like the style of play, you see it with like. Even the day, I just watched the new uh, MLB The Show commercial with Tatis talking yeah. about how, like, this is, this is the way we're going and we ain't going back. Like, sorry about it. This is, this is how it is. Um, it's entertaining, man. It's hard because, like, I, I grew up watching the game when it was a lot different than it is now. And, like, that was how I always imagined the game being. Um, and in my first – no worries. In my first uh, – my first handful of years, it was still taste of that. But now that old style wave of baseball and like all those old school players are kind of like fading out of the game and there's not many of them left. So you see the game turning into this, in this new wave of baseball where it's more exciting, there's bat flips, there's crazy antics going on. Um, I don't, I don't know what else needs to be added to it. Stink man, it's crazy. The
0: thing that I would change, obviously, is the blackout restrictions. I don't know if you – you probably haven't really had to deal with that, but if your family, I'm assuming, wants to watch you play in San Diego on MLB TV, they can't. Like, the, the game's blacked out. Like, that's the that's couple things –
1: yeah. Right? Yeah, um, for sure.
0: It is, like, that's, couple, that's like some very, of the things yeah, that – I
1: think the players get access to accounts that don't get blacked out. Or like no oh, okay. Blackout. I guess I haven't really noticed it, but, like, I guess that is a huge problem, like, not being able to watch the team or the players that you want to watch. Yeah, like, if I want to watch a
0: Jazz game, for instance, they'll black it out because they want you to go to the game, which isn't really growing the game. It definitely doesn't really make sense, but the game's definitely going a new direction, and I love the fuck... I love the guys like you, guys like Tatis, all these guys that show fucking emotion on the field, man. I mean, who's one guy that you've played with that is just one of the most electric dudes on the baseball field ever?
1: Um... I think Bregman, dude. I mean, it's it's so hard because a lot of the things that he does on the field, you don't see as much. And I guess you saw it a little later after the years that I was gone. Yeah. But the way that that guy is in the clubhouse, the shit talk that he says to like all of his teammates, he goes and backs it up and does exactly that. So like a lot of the stuff that people don't see is what makes him like such an incredible athlete, and such a good player to all of us. People see it on the surface level and like they see the antics that he does, the stare and like the bat flips and little things. but like. Yeah. There's so much more that goes on behind that dude that people don't see that that makes him even more of an epic player.
0: Dude, he has one of the most electric stories ever told in this podcast from Jake Fraley. Bregman threw a party once at LSU, and, like, the SWAT team showed up. Like, there was fucking helicopters <laughs> and shit at LSU. He threw a party at the
1: baseball house. What? Dude, he's a legend. That, that guy is an l- absolute legend in Louisiana.
0: Dude, oh, man, I didn't...
1: And obviously, you, you being on the
0: Padres now, there's one guy that's a legend as well, Trevor Hoffman. I read online that you did yoga with this dude. Like, what?
1: Yeah, man. Um, you know, that was, I mean, if you grew up in San Diego, Hoffman and, um, and Tony Gwynn were, like, legends to you. Yeah. Like, idol, everyone here growing up. Um, and back in, I think it was 2016, I got hook, hooked up with my roommate um, that was on the Astros. We were living in Encinitas, and Trevor lives in Del Mar, which is right down the street and his agent was telling us there's this lady named liba in san diego and she runs this like yoga pilates mix kind of like transfusion class um she's like he's like you gotta go check her out like all the legends have been there and we go into the class and freaking trevor hoppin's doing yoga right next to me and he showed up every day for the next two years um, every day was up, it's a 6.30 to 7.30 class. So that guy's still up early, still puts his work in. It was just so cool to see and be around him. Guys like Dave Roberts go, um, Junior Seau was a regular every day there. Yeah. Chris Dudley, I mean, tons and tons of guys, but getting to do that with Trevor. And then when I went to the Futures game, he was my, my head coach. He was the manager for the Futures game in my year. And he was the one that called me the night before and told me I'd get the opening or the, the start for the Futures game. Um, I have a lot of cool memories with that dude But he's another one that's super down to earth And see him on the beach with his dogs all the time Just super super cool guy
0: Are you gonna have like a whole section to yourself With your family and shit Because I I saw a video of you in San Diego last year Or I don't know if it was two years ago actually When there was fans And you had a literally it was like a whole section Of like (laughs) of of your family
1: Yeah it was I'm I'm gonna be fucking playing I'm gonna be paying to play in this city With the amount of tickets I'm giving out But uh, that was that was just like because we were only coming for one weekend and I actually had to start. it was my first start in San Diego. So uh, I think we had like sixty plus people. and it was pretty cool. like the even cool like what's even cooler about it is I only left, I think fifteen tickets for like my immediate family, some relatives, and then like a handful of my close friends. And the other 70 people that showed up, like, bought their own tickets, didn't ask me for anything. They just wanted to come support and come watch me play, which I thought was super cool, like, which gave me a little more confidence in being home and being able to just do my thing and not be bombarded by a ton of people. Like, everyone just was so excited to watch me play and and get to come out and watch me play in a big league park.
0: And you can be honest with me here. I mean, this is a trust circle. Have you just gotten an unbearable amount of DMs from people from your high school saying, yo, like,
1: you're with the Padres now, bro. Give me his tickets. I don't even know where to where to start with that. It's been it's been absurd. I mean, names that like I haven't heard from since middle school are hitting really? me um, and those are all things that I kind of expected, dude. I honestly thought I was going to need to like change my number or something when it happened, but it hadn't been all that crazy. A lot of it's just come on social media, um, but that shit's all manageable, man. I just ignore more than half of them, you know.
0: And and obviously, you would like to envision playing there and a vision like going on the mound for the for opening day or just to start. What's the what's that
1: walkout music talking about? Like, what are we playing on the big? What are we bumping? Uh, it's been Tribal Seas for me from day one. Damn, you don't um, Tony, switch up. No, nah, Tony Ray is uh, is one of my one of my close friends down here, and he's a member of Tribal Seas' His brother's a lead singer, and he does all the producing for him now. But um, that was been my favorite music since high school. One of my favorite bands, and uh, I've used their songs all the way through my minor league career, into my professional career, or into my uh, big league career. And uh, it's, I've just stuck with it, man. It's just like it's like my trademark sound.
0: And you're also teammates with a, like one of our guys now, like a guy that we had on the show, Nick Ramirez. Do you are you familiar with our guy Nick or no? Not, no. He's a bullpen guy. So you guys are gonna be honestly, you guys can just do this around the clubhouse, just like it's a cool thing, and just like talk about this podcast to, to each other, like yeah. just uh, and pepper, like, damn, what the hell's that shit? Thor, I'm gonna send you a shirt. We're gonna get it popping. we're gonna maybe in a post game interview, you rock this shirt, and I'll just blow the blow up the internet. We're okay. gonna figure it out.
1: <laughs> okay, send it out. I'm down.
0: I, I got, I got, I got you, bro. I got you. But dude, like playing with the Padres and I don't know if you obviously don't have this kind of thought process, but I didn't get to watch them that much when I was a kid. So when I think of the Padres, I think of, I don't know if this is his name, Eric Burns. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Fly that's out. the only guy I think about. you talking about like MLB network Eric Burns? Yeah. That's the only guy yeah. I think about. <laughs> dude, <laughs> I think about that guy, he's the one, he's one of the most freaking entertaining people to watch on TV. He's fucking hilarious. There was, dude, there was so many guys that played back then. Like, some of the names that I remember from, like, when I was a kid are names that a lot of people wouldn't remember. Like, Khalil Green, Sean yeah. Burroughs, Eric Owens, Mike Darr, like, a bunch of old, old-school players that were playing back at, like, Jack Murphy and Qualcomm. But and Eric, you, Burns, Eric Burns a legend.
0: And you missed the opportunity because when John Tavares signed with the Trial Maple Leafs here, he posted a picture. Like, he was one of the biggest NHL free agents. He posted a picture of him sleeping with a Trial Maple Leafs blanket. Do you have any pictures of yourself as a kid that you could have posted
1: when that trade happened and just blow up the internet? No, dude. So they actually the Padres, dude. Funny story here. The Padres asked me like one of the one of the girls that works there is uh is Steven Brault's really good friend, best friend, and she runs some of the social media stuff. So she hit me up and she was like, hey, like do you have any pictures of like old 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 Joe like when you were going to the Padres games or anything like Padres jerseys or whatever. So I hit up my mom. I was like, mom, you dig through the photos and see if you can find any like Padres stuff. I can send to this girl. So she sent a photo. If you look on the Padres Instagram, you'll see it. But it's my dad with is th- with us three, my me and my two sisters on each side of me. And my, I was wearing like an old school brown Padres uni with like denim tucked in, looking sharp, like nice shoes on, hair's all done. And then my sister's got like, like blue jean denim shorts with like matching shirts that are different colors tucked in and then like a matching hat with it just a plain colored like purple and red baseball hat and uh when it got posted out my sisters were looking through some of the comments and one of the comments was like uh his poor brothers had no chance being dressed like that and they started dying like, everyone <laughs> thought they were little boys <laughs> they're freaking dying and laughing Dude, I, I love really- it I went to tons of games as kids, dude. And I like—I think one of the pictures was uh, I was a big Pedro fan, so when the Mets were playing the Padres, I wore like my Mets hat with my Padres jersey. I just didn't know what fucking direction I was going, but I've always been a Padres fan, man.
0: Dude, thats I mean, it, it's definitely like, obviously just thinking about me uh, as a guy that hit 186 in junior college in Nebraska, I wouldn't even imagine playing for my hometown team. Like, just playing, you're so close to home, and I feel like it's just so familiar to you that when you show up to the ballpark, it's not going to feel like you're like in a completely different area right
1: yeah dude I think the coolest thing is being able to like keep my, my my normal routine and like when I'm at my best like training and just like mentality wise and mental health wise like is when I'm in San Diego and like I got the beach close by the atmosphere like living by the coast everyone's tan everyone's in good shape everyone's good looking it's just like a fun and it's like a lively environment to be around so like being able to have that, and then have my trainers that I work with all off season here, my pitching coach who I've worked with for you know, ten plus years, all those little things that you know you have access to in the off season, I'll now have access to during the regular season, which is going to be super nice. And being able to just swing by my parents' house for home cooked meal once in a while, like if I need to see family, if I'm not feeling right, like just little things like that, I think are going to play a big difference.
0: So when's a statue getting built at
1: your high school of you, man? It has to be soon, right? Say it again. When's the statue of you at your high school getting built? Dude, I, I, that school—that school is like—is completely remodeled from what it is, and the baseball field is like the one thing that hasn't fucking been touched. So I might have to—I might have to dip into the pockets a little bit. And yeah, like,
0: well, they'll—they'll they'll, they'll call it Joe Musgrove Field.
1: Imagine having a field after you, named after yeah, you. Get him a new scoreboard. Get him something. Were you, were you a dual guy in high school? Were you hitting shit too? Oh yeah, I raked in high school, dude. I mean, I'm sure everyone fucking raked. I'm sure everyone raked in high school, but. And yeah, not me, but yeah, okay. I was, like, I was I hit like I was—I hit like four fifty and had like I think 10 my 10 homers my senior year and like 12 my junior year. Yeah. Okay. I was I all was swinging it pretty good. I was going to go to state as a two-way player. I was going to play first base and then just pitch on weekends. Wait, you were going to go to where? San Diego State. Okay. Is that uh, where Chris Bryant went? Uh he was at USD University. Oh, of USD. Like a the, the little bit smaller school. Yeah. But uh but San Diego State was Tony Glenn was the, the head coach at the time there. And he was the one that recruited me through high school, so I was, like, super fired up. So he ended up passing away in what would have been my sophomore year, I believe. But I was super fired up to play for him. So did he recruit you personally? Like, he reached out to you? Yeah, dude. So uh, my dad had, like, an illness uh, my sophomore year of high school. And uh, he was in the hospital for quite some time, and I was spending every day with him there. And I just wasn't really doing schoolwork. I wasn't focused at all on my school stuff. I was just spending a lot of time with him, and I became ineligible. And I was a pretty good ball player at the time, but like, I still, I wasn't on varsity. I was still playing like JV my sophomore year. We had a really good like athletic school. Um, so Tony came around around that time when I was in an eligible and was just like, what's going on, dude? Like, you know, you can't get your grades together. I told him my story and my situation. I said, it's not an excuse, but like, it's just the truth, man. Like I guess I just haven't been focused at all. Um, he saw obviously enough in me to offer me a full ride. And um, he kind of just like, led me through my high school career and just kind of built my confidence and then gave me an opportunity to to play and let me focus on getting my schoolwork back together. And not having to focus on being, in the, you know, at the field and spending so much time there, just be with your dad, get your schoolwork done, we're going to take care of you. So that was, that was really cool to me.
0: Yeah, and that just shows it, like, I mean, you have guys that are, like, a, deserve to be 100% Hall of Famers, but the writers are sometimes clowns. You want to talk about a guy that should have been in the Hall of Fame, 100% unanimous. Now, no one should have not voted for him. That's the guy, right? Like, that guy is just how you should be.
1: Absolutely, man, 100%. That's another thing, too. Like, this year with the Hall of Fame, how does no, how does no one get voted in? It doesn't do make sense. Like, what, 14 or 15 people didn't even vote? Yeah, I, that's that's what I don't shirt. get.
0: And, you know, what actually pissed me off is, and I roasted this guy on Twitter, and I, uh, so, someone from the MLB Network made a documentary about them filling out their fucking ballot. Did you see that? No. He made out a documentary, and he said, like, I hold the weight of the world in my hands with this ballot. And he didn't even no. vote for Barry Bonds, bro. Like, not about you, bro. <laughs> it's not. That, 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 do you think that's the problem? Because how is obviously Barry Bonds has his past? He's a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt. I mean, he's a, one of the only guys a part of, I think, the 500 home runs, 500 stolen bases club. Yeah. Like, and it's crazy, man. Like, that's like we talk about, like, talk, growing the game. How the fuck do you have no Hall of Famers? How is that possible?
1: It's wild, man. And I mean, I understand those guys are like, I think they're very prideful in their work and they don't want to give in and be the ones that vote in a, a, a steroid user. But you look at some of the guys that are in there and even some of the pitchers that he was facing, that era was just different, man. Like, it's just what guys were doing. It's a different, it was a different standard back then than it is now with the rules and everything. It's just, it's so hard, man. I just don't, I don't understand how, how he's not in and how no one goes in this year. Dude, And Roger
0: Clemens also, for sure. Like, that's a guy, we had his son on Cody Clemens and Roger Clemens was so good for so long. I do not understand that factor either.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable, man. What those now, guys did to change the game. Those are guys that people idolized, that people molded their games after, the mentalities after. Um, that's just, I mean, you gotta, you got to relate things to the time of when these people were playing, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I've said this time and time again. If I played baseball in the 1940s, Babe Ruth wouldn't be a fucking thing. I'd be the Babe Ruth. Like, that, that era, they were throwing, like, 82. So, it just, <laughs> it's just it's different. It's different era, bro. It really is different. Era. but a couple more things here. The first thing I want to bring up is is how much do you pride yourself on your style? I mean, you I'm I'm creeping your Instagram. you got unbelievable style. You're wearing the nice Nike hoodie right now for the people listening. You got great style. What, how much do you pride yourself on that shit? And how much do you focus? or where does your where does all your money
1: go towards it? Probably, I don't put shit towards my 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 style, bro. I, I'm, it's nice to hear that because I actually feel like my style is shit. I wear, like, I wear, (laughs) I wear t-shirts, jeans, and bands, bro, every day. Like, I got a couple, I got a couple nice shirts, but, like, you'll see me cycling through the same shit, like, over and over. I'll just, I'll find ways to different matching, so I don't look like I'm wearing the same shit, but, um, I don't know. I guess, I heard, I heard, uh, I'm a big fan of Shia LaBeouf, and I him on. I love the Hot Ones show. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. Um, but he was on Hot Ones, and he talked about his, like, his, um, his style is built more around, like shapes and not so much like the color of things or like the size of things but like shapes like when i see myself in a mirror like a silhouette or like an angle for me like i look at the shape of how like clothes fall on me and how they sit yeah i I think that's what like what i build my style around more than anything um okay but i like i'm I'm so comfortable dude and being in just like jeans and a t-shirt like i'm not like big into big fashion brand names and shit like uplift is one of the brands that i've worked with for a little while now and like i love their clothing i'm all about just comfort and like the, the shapes, I
0: guess, you know. Dude, and I'll say this little pump for our, our t-shirts here. I'm wearing one. They make your arms look fucking huge. So if you if you if you want if you want to roll with it, I got you.
1: Yeah, send them my way, bro. I'll take a little I, pump there.
0: I got you. I got you. Actually, Looplo, I just sent him one. I think he, he actually got it today. Talking about it, he hopefully Did he the work.
1: Medium? Did he ask for a medium?
0: No, and I, <laughs> no, he didn't ask for a medium. But I said to him, I said to Loops, I was like, dude, I was I was like, I could send you an XL, but. You look like you wear a little more tighter shirts. I'm going to send you a wire. Is that cool?
1: Yeah, he's going to throw it in the dryer six times before he wears it. Way. I, don't
0: I fuck. I love that fucking dude, dude. I love that guy. But And we were talking about where you spend your money. What's the dumbest shit you've ever purchased? Like, is it a car? What is it?
1: Dude, I really don't. I mean, I probably spend way too much money on my like, places that I live in. Like, I spend too much on rent. I just love having, like, a nice place to come home to. I don't spend my money on cars. I have a Durango, um, you know. I've bought too many longboards, I guess, but, like, I don't make many, like, extravagant purchases. I was on a little watch kick when I was, like, in the minor leagues when I first got my bonus, but even at that, they were, like, fucking $500 watch was the biggest one I bought, but um, I buy a ton of bands, which are, like, 60 bucks a piece. Yeah. And my places that I live, like, I like having, like, a a nice home to come home to every night, so I'm always looking for, like, a high-rise place with, like, all glass, ceiling-to-floor glass where I can have a nice view a balcony, something outdoor, So I think I spent a lot of my money on on just like a place to live and a a place you can call home. Yeah,
0: and I I asked this to Tyler Glasnow, humble brag. We had him on the show, my guy. On a scale of one to ten, how Cali kid were you? Like, were you wearing
1: the fucking hookah shell necklace? Were you were you longboarding everywhere? No man, no. I was I was into the tie dye kick for a little bit. Um, I rocked my vans with no socks, like little things like that. I fucking longboarded everywhere. I rarely drove. Um, always had a shirt off in the off season. Like, I just, I mean, in that sense, yeah, but like, I didn't look the whole piece like the surfer kid with the bleached out hair and like always covered in salt water. I wasn't that crazy, but I just, I just spent a ton of time at the beach, man. And I think Glass has got more of the Cali look, but I got the Cali roots, so.
0: Glass, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that just took over the baseball world in one year. He came on this show and then next thing- I'm gonna gonna move
1: inside because my my thing's dying, but go ahead, I got- Yeah, no
0: worries. He came onto the show. By the next thing you know he's the face of baseball like this guy turned into the face of baseball in like a in like a month am yeah. I, I think
1: wrong. it's just i i think going to i think going to tampa bay was a big move for him man like a new change of scenery um there was a lot of people in pittsburgh that were trying to constantly like make adjustments with him and like Glass is mm-hmm. a different dude he's just got a different way of like of making his this is a shitty spot he's just got a different way of making his adjustments and like and finding out what works for him and a lot of people tried to tell him he shouldn't do it that way and that he needs to try this way. And he was always somebody that would butt heads a little bit. And like, he just believed in what he, you know, what he thought would get him right and just trusted in himself. And, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't stray from that. And it just seemed to cause a lot of problems with people. And I think when he got to Tampa Bay, they were just like, dude, you got a fucking electric arm. You just do what you're gonna do, and we'll just support you. And we'll be there to help where we can.
0: So, yeah, sometimes you gotta just let a guy eat, bro. Like, and that's what I think about. Because obviously, Nick Kingham was the first guest we ever had on the show. And when I think about Nick Kingham, it was like, man, this guy has some nasty stuff. It just feels like he was, I guess, you could say, they like restricted with what he could do. Am I right on that? Because Nick Kingham, he he was good in Toronto, also, man. Like, he has a lot of he had really good stuff, but you could just tell in Pittsburgh sometimes he was kind of restricted.
1: Yeah, I mean, mean, you saw him, like his debut with us was, was unbelievable. I think he went like six or seven perfect against, against the Cardinals lineup who I couldn't fucking figure out to save my life. Um, But he, he, I mean, another thing, like, I think sometimes just a change of scenery where like you get a fresh appearance of the, the things that you felt like you were doing wrong, that, you know, you had already left your impression. It gives you a chance to start new and like create a whole different like persona of who you are and how you work and, know fix the things you wanted to fix at the last place so sometimes just a change of scenery in a new environment can do that for you and also having a different perspective you know you go to a new team you got a full new set of eyes on you you got new minds to learn from and guys to pick pieces from so sometimes it's just your surroundings yeah
0: okay this is the second last thing i wanted to bring up here what is your mona lisa start like the best start you've ever had so far in a major league career
1: oh jesus dude um I think I, I I felt like one of my biggest starts was my first start with Pittsburgh against. Um, oh, I, I guess I guess my best start probably was my last one of the year against Cleveland. I went, I think, six six shutout with like yeah. 11, out, which was a career high for me. My stuff was the best it had ever been. But I think the most significant start was my first start with Pittsburgh coming in. I started the year on the DL. Um, I was super bummed about that like new team you want to make a good impression and I'm on the fucking shelf for the first two months of the season um, and then I make my first start against against the Cardinals and I end up going six innings on like 63 pitches with nine punch outs um, just like an immaculate immaculate game like end up getting pulled early I could I think that was the one shot I had to go in a complete game but um, I got pulled in the six but like to come in for my first start and make a statement like that and then my following start was against the Cubs I went seven innings, gave up one, and we won the game two to one. Um, I just had a real good stretch right there in that start, but I think that first start against um, against St. Louis was probably my best start.
0: I I mean that's a pretty good stat line. I'll take six six innings, sixty three pitches. But yeah, then this is the last thing. I mean, what what's your goals going into this year, man? I mean, like you said, change of scenery. You're gonna be able to put your balls on the table. You got the nastiest lineup. <laughs> you got Machado, Tatis, Will Myers. I
1: mean, just an idiotic lineup. So what what what's your goals this year, man? Yeah, man. I mean, I I wanna be able to contribute to the team. I mean, it's it's not in a situation like Pittsburgh where we have one or two arms that are expected to carry the bulk of the load. Now we got a full rotation of five with backup. So I'm gonna go out there and try to be consistent. Um, that's been my biggest issue in the past is I have blow up starts here and there that you skew my numbers and kind of get me off track and um, eliminating those big blow up innings and those big blow up starts is the biggest thing for me. Um, you know, I know, I know here coming to a place like San Diego, they're not expecting me to be the number one of the staff. I can just be the ace of the day and and, and be another solid arm in the rotation um, and help these guys get to the postseason. I mean, they're helping finish through the postseason. Um, you know, and, and like I said, having all these guys around you, there's so many people that you can learn from. I'm hoping I can take some of the things that I learned with a team like Houston and the time I spent in Pittsburgh and bring them over to these guys and help, you know, contribute something.
0: I can't wait to see you hit. I like that. I love pitchers hitting. I know it's stuff it doesn't go to the game, but I just can't wait to see you at the dish. It's going to be electric.
1: I know. I'm fired up. We're going to get that back. That was a thing that everyone was kind of on edge about was, you know, are they going to switch and take that DH into the league again for the NL? But uh, I'm fired up about it, dude. Especially yeah, dude. Can, get my first homer in San Diego. Oh, my God. That pimp jaw, the bat won't land. Like, it will just be
0: a no nuketown. Taking it with me. There it is. And can, you, and can you say this? Can you say this is the most electric baseball podcast on the planet? I, th- I had a great time. Dude,
1: it's been a lot of fun, man. I that's didn't me.
0: want this to end. I'll be honest. Like, obviously, this is one kind of long, but I just didn't want this shit to end. Like, that's how much of a Joe Musgrove
1: guy I am right now. I appreciate that, bro. It's been a lot of fun, man. But
0: anyways, though, man, yeah, I Luke, mean,
1: Loop talked you up a lot, so you met. Yeah, what did Loop say? Let's get my tired part. What did Loop say? Dude, Luke, Luke, Luke pumped you up. He's like, dude, I didn't even know this guy. And I felt like me and him had been friends for 15 years. Like, he was just pumping me up the whole time. Wow.
0: Luke was the goat. That's my dude. But I appreciate that, man. But like I said, dude, I'm so fucking fired up to see what you do this year, man. See what you do with a lineup that actually is, like, going to give you support. Because last year, man, you were 1-5 with, like, a 3-3 ERA. And, you like, 1-5 is not what you have with that ERA. So, it's going to be fucked. I'm going to be hammering... Joe Musgrove, Cy Young futures bet on my app. I'm just gonna be betting you every start. I'm so fired up to see you in a goddamn Padres uniform, man. I really appreciate you doing this, and and fucking and National League, watch out for this dude next year. I'm so excited, dude. And uh, thank you again, man. This is this is big time. Really appreciate it. Uh, That was a good time. I appreciate it, dude. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at a fish on a fish pod and on Instagram at officially unofficial pod. Thank you.